You know, most people look through their pocketbooks or their wallets and down in the bottom, behind baby pictures and credit cards, you usually find a piece of dog-eared poetry. The other day I was cleaning out my wallet and I came across a bunch of IOUs, some of them 30 years overdue. Funny thing is, all these IOUs were owed to one person. And I kind of feel like right now might be a good time for an accounting. Mom, are you listening? Mom, I owe you for a lot of services, like night watchmen, for instance, for lying awake nights, listening for coughs, cries, creaking boards in the floor, and me coming in too late. You had the eye of an eagle and the roar of a lion, but you always had a heart as big as a house. I owe you for services as a short order cook, chef, baker, for making sirloin out of hamburger, turkey out of tuna fish, and three big old strapping boys out of leftovers. I owe you for cleaning services, for the daily scrubbing of face and ears, all work done by hand, and the frequent dusting of a small boy's pants to make sure that he led a spotless life, and for washing and ironing no laundry could ever do, and for drying the tears of childhood and ironing out the problems of growing up. I owe you for services as a bodyguard, for protecting me from the terrors of thunderstorms and nightmares and too many green apples. And I owe you for medical attention, for nursing me through measles, mumps, bruises, bumps, splinters, and spring fever. And let's not forget medical advice either. Oh no, important things like don't scratch it or it won't get well. Or if you cross your eyes, they're going to stick like that. And probably most, most important of all was be sure you got on clean underwear, boy, in case you're in an accident. I owe you for veterinarian services, for feeding every stray dog I dragged home at the end of a rope and for healing the pain of puppy love. I owe you for entertainment, entertainment that kept the household going during some pretty tough times, for wonderful productions at Christmas, Fourth of July, and birthdays, and for making make-believe come true on a very limited budget. I owe you for construction work, for building kites, confidence, hopes and dreams, and somehow you made them all touch the sky, and for cementing a family together so they could stand the worst kinds of shocks and blows, and for laying down a good, strong foundation to build a life on. I owe you for carrying charges, for carrying me on your books, for the necessities of life that a growing boy's just got to have, things like a pair of high-top boots with a little pocket on the side for a jackknife. And Mom, one thing I'll never forget when there are only five pieces of apple pie left and six hungry people, I remember that you're the one who suddenly decided that you didn't even like apple pie in the first place. These are just a few of the things for which payment is long overdue. The person I owe it to worked very cheap. She managed by simply doing without a lot of things she needed herself. My IOUs add up to much more than I could ever hope to repay. You know, the nicest thing about it all is I know she'll mark the entire bill paid in full for just one kiss and four little words. Mom, I love you. It was going to be a typical birth, but when the doctor delivered the the little girl, he thought she would die. So he laid her down to save the mother. 
Dr. Henry walked into the room. He saw the little girl laying there by herself, struggling for breath. He picked her up. He held her in his hands and he began to massage her tummy and breathe on her nose. Saved her life. The mama lived. The little girl lived. She weighed a pound and a half. She lived in a shoebox for a while. What's so unique about that lady is that was my mother. Her name was Margaret Henry Snap, named after the Dr. Henry who saved her life. When she was 14 years old, she went into Central Baptist Church downtown Winchester and trusted the Lord as her Savior. She began with a struggle, but she had a Savior. She loved the scriptures. Her first Bible, somebody gave it to her. And uh, I can remember my mother coming in from working at Sylvania. Her feet would swell because she would be on her feet all day long. They'd break, bleed. And I remember as a little boy saying, Dad, Lord, I wish I could help her and provide some way where she didn't have to stand on her feet so much. But I never heard her complain about it. I can see her after she worked all day at Sylvania come in and she'd stand at the stove and she'd cook. Now, my mother was a bologna sandwich eater. She cooked my daddy, squirrel, rabbit, turtle, pheasant. It didn't matter. She never ate any of that. But she did a good job cooking it for him and anybody else who came and ate it. But she was always singing. She loved singing. She had a sanctuary. She went to church. Her husband, my dad, did not go to church in those days. And many times my mother would walk across Winchester, Kentucky from on the other side of town over to this side of town. If possible, my dad might bring us, drop us off. We'd walk home or maybe we'd walk both ways, walking, going and coming. It was a little treat on the way home if we could stop at the ice cream place and have an ice cream. But she never complained about that. My mother was a hugger. She hugged the ladies at her church. They called her Granny Margaret. Granny Margaret would go to the hospital and she'd hug people. And uh, at her church, she'd hug people. And they knew her. When my mother died, her funeral was out at Scobie Funeral Home. My sister and I, we stood. We had two brothers. They didn't stand up with us. But we stood by her coffin. And they were lying down the hallway at Scobie Funeral, out the front door and down the street to visit my mother. If you would have asked my mother, will you get up and sing a song in church? She loved to sing, but she would never get up in front of people. She'd rather you beat her than do that. But she'd make it possible for you maybe to do that. A man came through the line. My sister and I were shaking hands. And uh, he said, you know, I worked with Margaret for 30 years at Sylvania. I said, really? He said, I, I want you to know Margaret was a godly woman. I said, sir, wait a minute. You're telling me that you worked with my mother for 30 years? Yes. And you thought she was a godly woman? Yes. I said to myself, if somebody works with you for 30 years and they think you're a godly person, there's just a good possibility you might be a godly person. So I told that in her funeral service. All these mothers, I was impressed by all these mothers that stood up here a while ago. God bless you. I just want you to know, though, that motherhood has changed in our country. I think one of the hopes of America is good mothers and good churches. Pastored by Bible-believing Bible preachers. 
there was a time that we had mothers who stayed at home and mothered. That's all changed. Today, most mothers work outside the home. And children, uh, matter of fact, we live in a day now that a lot of children are not even raised by their own parents. One of the phenomenons of our country today is that uh, grandmothers are raising children. Daughters go have babies and then grandmas raise them for whatever reason. I was talking to someone just on Saturday who told Miss Judy and I that one of the relatives in her family, she was a mother, wife. She came in one night and told her husband, I don't want to be a mother and I don't want to be a wife anymore. I'm out of here. In the old days, that would have never happened. In the old days, couples would stay together to raise their children. Today, somebody said, look, it's better if your dad and I split up or your mom and I split up. You'll be better off. That's not true. Studies show today that a couple who stay together, even though they fuss all the time. My mother stayed with my dad who, when he would get drunk on Friday and Saturday and would pick at my mother. I used to hate that as a kid. But she stayed with him and it did get better. And uh, he did get saved before he passed away. But I'm glad, and I told my mother one time after my dad had passed away, I said, Mom, I am so glad I never had to make a choice between dad or you who I was going to live with. You stay together for the kids. Kids are better adjusted when they have a dad and mom, even though they have some issues and have some problems. But there's some security to a kid goes home, has a dad and has a mom. Today, divorce is such a big thing. Mobile society. And today, having children is not the same emphasis that it used to be. It's been devalued. People don't even want to have children. I've heard them say that. I don't want to bring children into this world. Well, how do you think there's going to be a next generation? And you, have, you do what the Bible tells you, boy meets girl, have children, get married, have children, and raise them in the nurture and heaven of the Lord. And you seek the Lord for his help in raising those children, train up a child the way he should go, and when he's old, shall not depart from it. And today, they're... They're not doing that, and children are not wanted, and they're not loved. They're devalued. I suspect it's probably true at Landmark Baptist Church, which is a good church. Sometimes you have trouble finding people who want to work with children. Children today are different than children years ago. Children years ago were behaved, and they knew how to act. Today, children are not taught that, and they don't know how to act, and so it's hard to find people to want to work with them. And the ultimate devaluation of children is abortion. How many millions of babies have been aborted in this country since we started having abortions? Sort of legalized abortions. Now, to be legal doesn't mean it's moral or right, but they could care less about that anyway. In the Bible, there are some wonderful mothers. By the way, I never heard my mother cuss. I never saw her smoke. I never saw her drink. And I never saw her in her pair of pants. I was blessed with a good mother. Perfect, no. But forgiven and tried. One of the things that shocked me and my sister and my two brothers... My dad died first, and then my mom died a few years later. 
And we actually got a letter from some company in Chicago, Illinois, that said my mother left thus four children $44,000. Now, you have to understand, I didn't know that. My sister didn't know that. My dad surely didn't know it. He'd probably spend it. Working at Sylvania, she sent a little money off every week. And over 30 years, I got $11,000. And my sister got 11000 My two brothers had no idea about that. What a great thought that was. She was a good mama. One of the young ladies who stood up here a while ago, she mentioned a lady by the name of Eunice. And it's uh, in the book of 2 Timothy. In chapter 1 and chapter 3, if you want to just listen, there was uh, two ladies. There was Grandmother Lois, and Lois means pleasing, and Mother Eunice, and Eunice means victory. And they had a little grandson and son. His name was Timothy. And that mean, name means one who honors God. And they had unfeigned faith. Lois was an unfeigned faith woman. Eunice was an unfeigned faith mother. And they instilled, they had the kind of faith that was pure and personal and a pass it on kind of faith. Now you have to understand in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and chapter 11, when the Bible tells us to hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And uh, he said to them, let me just read that to you. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between Thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Some of you may have Bible verses hanging in your living room or in the kitchen or wherever, maybe on the wall in the bathroom or in the bedroom. And this is what the Moses said: I want you to put the word of, word of God everywhere and talk about it. See, today people don't even talk about the Lord; they don't talk about the Bible. And they don't have the kind of faith that's pass it on, pass it on to your children so that they can get grounded in the word of God. It doesn't happen by osmosis. You don't put the Bible under your pillow and sleep on it and think it's going to transfer up into your bread, your head. You have to read the Bible. And in our day, I would say read it and read it and then read it again and then read it some more and keep on reading it. One of the problems in America today is we're not reading the Bible. I'm convinced if we could get America reading the Bible again, a lot of things going on in our culture would not be going on. There would be people saying, I never knew that. I didn't know you wasn't supposed to do that. I didn't know you should do that. And God said, I want you and your home to do that. Well, Lois and Eunice were those kind of people. And so when that boy of theirs was born, Timothy, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and that from a child... Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. For all Scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I want you to give the Bible 
talk about it when you're sitting down, when you rise up, when you go to bed. I want you to talk about the Bible, think about the Bible. Because they're going to raise a young man. And what a young man. There's two whole books in the Bible that are named 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. This young man is mentioned 25 times in the Bible. If you've ever done something, they put your name in the paper. You may not have even taken the paper, but you'd go buy a paper so you could look and see that article that had your name in it. Can you imagine having your name in the Bible 25 times and have two books to you? He was a special young man. He's going to be a, a young man who honors God. You know, a, a man is known by a few things. He's known by his character. That's, what, that's who you are. You are somebody. A man is known by his conduct. That's what he does. A man is known by his conversation. That's what he says. A man is known by his creed. That's what he believes. And a man is known by his contributions. And that's what he gives. And they had a young man who's going to honor God. And they started on him from a child. Getting him in the Bible. Talking about the Bible. Talking about the Lord. And then one day, the Apostle Paul comes to town. He lived in a town called Lystra, this young boy, Timothy. Now, Lystra is not like Winchester. Lystra means wolf country. He lived in an area that was known for his wolves. Did not Jesus say, I send you forth as sheep among wolves, therefore be as harmless as, as doves and wise as serpents? How would you like to raise your children in wolf country? Well, that's where he was born and raised in wolf country. They had done such a good job on him. And the Apostle Paul is coming through there and he saw that young man. He was impressed by that young man. They had done a good job on that young man. And so he began to inquire. It's like going down to the church and uh, tell me about this young man. Oh, he's a good young man. He's faithful to all the services. He carries his Bible. He prays. He witnesses to other. He's a good man. And then he would ask other people, what about this young man? Yeah, he's a good man. This wasn't just somebody who was a family member saying this was, that's what they all said. He's a good man. He's a good man. You know, young people, if somebody came around here and they were interested in you serving God and they were going to ask about you and they asked Pastor Muncie, tell me about this kid. And then they asked the deacons, tell me about this kid. And they asked your Sunday school teacher, tell me about this kid. Is he for real? Is he just a Sunday morning person or is he all the time? You know, these people had unfeigned faith. And unfeigned faith is faith that works on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, just as it does on Sunday. It's personal faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen as yet. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. You know, there was a time when I couldn't wrap my hand around the, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, this pulpit is substance. You can understand that. And the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen as yet. I have a preacher friend who helped me with this. He was number 16 of 16 children. His dad was a farmer. So they raised a farm, had a farm, and they would hire a couple workers to help them. And mama would fix fried chicken for dinner to feed all of them. Now remember, he's number 16. When it got down to him, number 16, he didn't get any chicken. All he got was chicken soup. 
But he said, you know, this chicken soup is substance that there was a chicken. And when all the other people got through eating, there was a platter of chicken bones on the table. And he said, that's the evidence that there was a chicken. I said, I can understand that. And here these two women had the kind of faith like that. They believed God. They believed in God. They believed God. Those two are not the same. Paul, when he was on a ship in a, in a storm, two weeks he hadn't seen the sun by day, stars by night. And the Lord came to him and assured him everything's going to be all right. He said, I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. What a great definition of faith, just believing what God said. Faith is not a blind leap in the dark. It's a walk in the light. God is saying, this is the way, walk in it. And so these two ladies had done such a good job. And this young man, he was a stalwart young man. And everybody said, yep, he's true, he's right. And him, Paul would have to go with him. Now, 2 Timothy is written by the Apostle Paul, who is in Rome, who is a prisoner, who is in chains. And in essence, his preaching days are over. And the last book he will write is 2 Timothy. He will no longer stand in Jerusalem and give testimony. He will no longer go on a missionary journey and win people to Christ and start churches. He will no longer go to the Acropolis and give a defense of the faith. He's going to be passing on. He's going to pass the torch. And he's going to pass it to this young man, Timothy, who from a baby, from a child. They started working on him. They put the Bible into him. They took him to the house of God. And then the apostle Paul said, I want that young man to go. And that young man became a church planter, a missionary. He pastored the church at Ephesus and what a church that was. You know where that started? That started with a godly grandmother and a godly mother. I hope you ladies who stood up here a while ago think, I don't have a career. I just raised children. You don't have a career. Do you know how difficult it is to raise children today? There are people who have just raised children and somebody would say, oh, they don't have a job. How would you like to have five children that take care of them? And then people tell you, you don't have a job. You want to choke them. You have one of the most important jobs in the world. Abraham Lincoln said, everything I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. What all of us owe to our mothers. And God bless you mothers. And I hope the Lord will give you mothers at Landmark Baptist Church some Timothys. I thought of these children when they were standing up here a while ago. You know, it's always interesting to watch children. They do the unexpected thing. And if you'd seen them, I saw them waving over here and doing this and this and this and this. But you never know which one of those boys is not going to be a pastor someday. Or if not a pastor, a deacon. Or if not a deacon, a faithful member, Sunday school teacher. Just serve God. I'll guarantee you Winchester, Kentucky, my hometown, Needs a bunch of Christians in it because we are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And you hope their lights shine and you hope their salt is salty. 
that they would be a good witness for the Lord. This is Mother's Day. God bless all you mothers. And may your tribe increase. With their heads bowed and their eyes closed, let's stand to our feet, if you would, please. I want Pastor Jim to come. God bless you.